You know those moments where you think, I wish I would have learned this in school? Those are the topics that we love to talk about. Join me each week as I interview experts sharing their strategies for solving problems that us young adults will face throughout our 20s and 30s. So what are you waiting for? And if you want new episodes about adulting advice every Monday, hit that follow button. With high school teachers and porn stars being our instructors, I am not surprised that sex is awkward and unrealistic. But at least we have our friends to talk to, right? Well, through my personal experience, we are comfortable boasting about the highs of our sex life, but I don't hear too much conversation around body image issues, premature ejaculation, or depleting sex drive. As you can see from our title and our intro so far, today's conversation is going to be a bit explicit. Our guest is a straight shooter, so this is your fair warning, look out for young ears. Speaking of today's guest, joining me on The Struggle Is Real is Susan Bratton. Buckle up because for 20 years, Susan has been empowering singles and couples across the gender spectrum to have hot, intimate sex. Susan believes that shame-free, frequent sexual pleasure is every person's birthright. But Susan wasn't always this sex expert. Like most of us, she lacked the know-how in order to maintain intimacy and passion in her relationship. After 11 years of lackluster sex, she hit a tipping point, and she told her partner it wasn't working. But instead of giving up, they went to therapy, they frequented sex workshops, and they started a journey to transform their sex life. With this episode, I hope to destigmatize the discussion around sex. It's a skill. You have to put effort into learning how to have great, intimate sex. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay to lack confidence in this area. I'm guessing there hasn't been a lot of real education up until this point, but that changes here. We jump right into orgasms, discuss simple bedroom techniques that you can start practicing with, and Susan shares ideas on how to reignite your sex life. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the sexual biohacker, best-selling author and publisher of 34 books and programs, and the trusted hot sex advisor to millions, Susan Bratton. <laughs> I like to say that what I do is I go out to the far reaches of our human orgasmic potential myself, and I bring back a map to the territory. I mean, one of my most popular books is Sexual Soulmate, The Six Essentials for Connected Sex, How to Turn Your Mate or a Date into Your Sexual Soulmate. We just need to be told what to do and what's important and how our bodies work and what we're capable of, and then we can do it. We just need someone to cheer us on, someone to just be like, you got this. It's fun. <laughs> Go for it. So I didn't have any of that as I lost my virginity, and most of us didn't. But what I can say is that your sex life can keep getting better your whole life long if you have that mindset, that learning mindset. And the people who actually, I think, do best at learning how to be good lovers are people who are personal growth-oriented, which is who your listeners are, Justin. Mm -hmm. they, are, they are willing to do the work that it takes to have a successful life, and that includes a successful sex life. So just to sum it all up, losing your virginity is the very beginning. Anything that happens to you that's crappy is just water under the bridge, look forward, forgive and forget, and continue to make new trysts with life and her sex. I think that's a great intro because 
Susan Bratton, I wanted to have you on because sex, I think, is a fundamental part of relationships. And even though this is maybe a little edgy from my typical personal development type content, I think it's really important. And I want, and I pride myself in bringing some conversation into the 20 something's life that maybe they're not finding anywhere else. And sadly, we don't really get a good chance to talk about sex, at least from a personal growth or from a learning standpoint. We joke around about sex with our friends, but nobody, my guy friends aren't asking me about how to be a better lover in bed. I don't hear girls talking about it. Honestly, up until our conversation and prepping for our conversation, my girlfriend and I struggled to even have the conversation or talk about it. We didn't know how to really approach this conversation. So I will we'll get to communication. I think that's yeah. an important aspect. But you asked me to start with something I think, once again, is a little edgy, but here we are. Uh, Susan Bratton's on the show. So let's just get right into it. The gasm chasm. So why don't we talk about what it is and how to overcome the gasm chasm? Thank you for addressing this. Now, one of the things that I want to say is that this is about penetration intercourse. This is about a penis in a vagina or a dildo in a vagina in a same-sex relationship or a relationship where potentially the masculine has intractable erectile dysfunction and can't get hard. So one of the great things about sex is where there's a will, there's a way. You can always work around and compromise even when you can't do everything you might have been able to use to do for one reason or another. So the gas of chasm is really interesting because it's really primarily about intercourse between a male and a female body. And I want to say right now that I support the full, beautiful, rainbow, sparkle complement of gender spectrum. But we're either born into an XX vulva body, which is XX chromosome, female body has a vulva and as estrogen dominant, or we're born into an XY chromosome, male body with penis and testosterone dominant. And it makes us very different. And not only don't we get a good sex ed education, but we don't understand if we're in a monogamous or, I mean, in a heterosexual relationship, we don't understand how her vulva is so different than our penis or vice versa. And that makes intercourse challenging because generally it's super easy for a guy to have an orgasm from intercourse. And generally it's much harder for a female to have an orgasm from intercourse. And then what's added on to it is that when a woman can't have an orgasm from intercourse, she thinks, oh, I'm just not the kind of woman who can. And then her partner is like, oh, well, I guess you're just not the kind of woman who can. And then she's like, well, I'll just do it to be close to you. And then she has sex that isn't as fulfilling. And then over the years, she begins to feel like she's just a receptacle and it's really not good. And then she wants less sex. When in fact, and sex, many young sex experts will say, because I'm an old sex expert, many young sex experts will say, hey, just focus on the clitoris. It's not about the, you know, having an orgasm from intercourse. And I'm like, you are so wrong about that. It is absolute. If you're in a heterosexual relationship, if it's boy, girl, and she's not coming when you're inside her, then she is never going to be satisfied with you sexually. There is going to be something dark inside her that is always deeply disappointed, even if she doesn't think it is because she has this limiting belief that she can't come from intercourse. 
And Dr. Lori Mintz was the woman who did a TED Talk called The Orgasm Gap. The Orgasm Gap is how 90% or more of the time a guy can come from intercourse and how maybe half the time some women can come from intercourse. And what I thought that did was also a disservice in the world as well, because it made it seem like the deck was stacked against the feminine and she should just give up already and just not even try. My number one thing, number one takeaway from this conversation today is that all women can have orgasms from intercourse. All women. And all it takes is learning how to do it. There are 20 kinds of orgasms the human body can have, both the penis-owning and vulva-owning bodies. Everybody can come 20 different ways. There are three types of orgasms. There are orgasms from touching parts of your body. Touch your clitoris, touch your penis, you know, whatever it might be. Touch your nipples, touch kiss. You know, you can have all these different kinds of physical location orgasms. You can have orgasms that are techniques like female ejaculation, expanded orgasm male multiple orgasm. These are like learned techniques to have specific kinds of orgasms. And then there are orgasms from objects, objects of desire, whether that's uh, fetish wear and slutty high heels or your favorite vibrator or penis, you know, extender pleasure. So it's, it's really that we have such a giant capacity for orgasm and they're all already inside us. We just need to learn how to unlock and allow everything to come out, including the gasm, chasm, how to cross the gasm, chasm, how to bridge the gap so that she comes as well as he does during intercourse so that they're, everyone is both sexually satisfied and not relying on oral sex or a vibrator or fingering or whatever to give her her orgasm so he can have his from intercourse. I want everyone to have them from all those things. I want everyone to know how multi-orgasmic they are. And often the biggest issue is that she doesn't think she can. And yeah. once she believes me and is like, oh, I really can. And I'm like, yes, girl, you can. Lots and lots of them, as many as you want. You can just come all day if you want to. Then she's like, okay, so how do I do it? And that is interesting in that I have a playlist on Better Lover called Penetration Orgasms. If you go to the playlist tab, you look up penetration and how to have orgasms from intercourse without even touching your clitoris. Because what's interesting about our anatomy is that, you know, because I can't get into that because we want to cover so much ground. So I could tell you there's the free resource if you're not having orgasms from intercourse because everybody's a little different. And so there's like seven things in the videos and it might be the fourth one that you never connected the dots on or three and seven or one and two are the ones that are going to make you close the orgasm, bridge the orgasm gap, cross that gasm chasm. So that's a resource. That's resource number one. And we will have a lot of resources in this conversation. But one of the other things that's really important to know is that the the vagina, which is what most women call their genitals, their vagina, but that's just the sheath from which the baby comes out and the menstrual, you know, blood comes out and, and things like that. And the, and the penis goes in. And the thing is that the vulva is actually the whole external area as well. So it's our genital system. And I like to use the word vulva because, or yoni, 
which is a tantric lovemaking word for the female genital system, which I think is pretty, Y-O-N-I. And the lingam is the masculine word for the penis in tantric lovemaking. I like to use those words because I want people to be thinking about playing with all the tissue, not just the tip of the clit. Because the tip of the clit is just the tip of the iceberg. We have three erectile tissue systems in our vulva. One of them is the clitoral structure. The second is the urethral structure, which some people call a G-spot, but it's not a spot. So here we are. We've got the tip of the clit and a G-spot. And what we're doing is we're limiting ourselves to these little tiny locations when, the, when you activate the entire vulva, it just becomes massively orgasmic. The third erectile tissue structure is the perineal tissue that's between the bottom of the vagina and the rectum. And if you look at a vagina and you look at all the erectile tissue, the erectile tissue is actually surrounding the entire vagina. The issue is that women are rushing sex. They're rushing to get to penetration and they're not getting all the blood flow that they need into their vulva. Men get erect very quickly. Women are much slower to get fully engorged, though we have the same amount of erectile tissue as innies instead of outies like our male partners. The number one thing is to slow down and get engorged and know that you don't even have to touch the tibia clitoris because when you get penetrated, that penis is actually stimulating all of that tissue all around there from the movements and everything. So once you connect those dots, then it comes down to, okay, I have to slow down. I have to get all that tissue plumped up. And then there are some other little things that you need to know that are all in those videos. And then you'll find the ones that are like, oh, right, that would make me feel so much better. Okay, let's try it. And then you try it a few times and you get good because the first time you try anything in sex, you don't know what you're doing. You got to practice makes perfect, use it or lose it. These are sexual axioms that really do make, you know, they really are true. Yeah, I would agree with that. And one of my favorite things that we've tried so far was you mentioned, how do you currently orgasm? Introducing that into your intercourse so that you're almost training yourself through one way to orgasm in the other way. Yeah, orgasmic cross-training. I learned that from my friend Sherry Winston, and she wrote one of, I think, the best books on female arousal. It's called Women's Anatomy of Arousal. It's one of the best books that was ever written about female arousal, which is so important because, you know, if you think about it, we have libido, which is our body's desire for sex. And then we have our desire, which is do I feel desirable and do I desire you? And that's a more emotional type of thing. And then our, the third piece of that, kind of a Venn diagram with the three circles that interlock, the third is arousal. And the arousal looks like a stair step. You can get more and more and more turned on over time if you understand how the body's operating system works. And so a lot of good sex education is actually understanding anatomy. Because if you know how the parts work and you can work the parts, they work great. And then sex becomes so much more pleasurable. So even knowing you have all this erectile system is like 
a massive piece of news to most women. They don't even know these things. I did not know that either. <laughs> the clit I thought was, I did not realize the clit was as large as it was until I heard you talk about it on a podcast. And you were showing it, you were talking about this diagram that you were showing on there. And I was like, all right, I got to find this on YouTube now. <laughs> so I went to YouTube and it's like, it, I mean, that is truly the tip of the iceberg, like maybe like 1% of the entire clitoris. So, but I mean, you mentioned just slowing down. I, I think if we're going to keep this at like a 101 level for, for this podcast, that's like the biggest takeaway. Just take some time getting to intercourse. <laughs> and one technique that I really like to help slow down and get there, especially for guys, is this bullseye touching technique. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, because guys have some guys have some significant competitive advantages sexually. One of them is that you're testosterone dominant, so you're horny every day. Women are horny over a 28-day cycle with a five-day horny window, and that starts about nine days after the beginning of her period. And if she's uh, post-menopausal, it's just you go, you look at the moon cycle. It's nine days after the moon, the full moon. And so you're always horny. We need to be seduced, moved toward pleasure. Most women aren't thinking about having sex all the time like guys are. But if you get them going, they're like, oh my God, I'm so glad we had sex. Thank you. And that is totally normal. That's the norm. That's how our bodies work. And a lot of women feel guilty that they're not warning all the time like their male body partners. And a lot of men get irritated because they feel like they always have to initiate. They're always offering sex. And they take the no as rejection because they make too big an offer. They're like, do you want to have sex? And, and you're like so far away from wanting to have sex that you say no, because at the moment you don't want to have sex. But would you like to have, would you like to be held? Would you like me to rub your feet and have a glass of wine? Would you like to snuggle on the couch together and watch the game and I'll play with your breasts? Would you like to have a breast massage while you use your vibrator on your clit? Would you like me to hold you? And, and would you like to do some eye gazing? Would you like to breathe together? Would you like me to put my hand on your heart and hold you? Would you, you know, like all these things? Women will say yes to pretty much all of those without any question at all. And that's really the beginning of the arousal ladder. When you touch a woman, so, so a guy, he wants you to touch his dick immediately, if not sooner. Why are you not already touching my dick? Yeah, That's real what big. Come on. Like, please, <laughs> touch my dick, touch my dick, touch my dick, touch my dick, touch my dick. Like, let's put a sign on it. I'm getting the tattoo. It says, touch my dick. <laughs> so I love you, touch my dick. So that's something that women don't do because that's, they don't want you grabbing their vulva right away. It doesn't get them going. It pushes them away because it's too much too soon. So the bullseye touch technique is this notion that if you imagine a bullseye, and it has the external ring, it has the middle ring, and then has the sweet spot in the center of the bullseye. The masculine, because he's testosterone dominant, he's like, full speed ahead. Let me get your, let me get my dick inside you. <laughs> and she's like way back here. So when he strokes her hair and kisses her cheeks and holds her and rubs her arms before he grabs her butt or touches her breasts, and he's not going to touch her clitoris or even her vulva or at even the outside of her yoni until he's worked his way to the creamy center. And when a guy thinks about that, 
Then he's like, oh, okay. And honestly, she could be holding his dick the whole time. He's doing all the other things. And that will give him peace of mind and comfort that everything will be okay while he's warming her body up so that she's ready and wants him inside her. So the bullseye touch technique is that work from the outside in instead of just going for the goal because that's not how her body works. That makes sense. And it does work. So <laughs> I can verify that. <laughs> Let's, let me ask you an opinionated question. Do you think a couple can be happy together without good sex? Yes. Some couples can be happy together without good sex because if you think about sexuality, everything in humanity is kind of on a bell curve. There are people who want sex every day for hours, and there are people who never want sex. They consider themselves asexual, and they are not at all interested in anything physical. But the large majority of people in the middle of the bell curve, they are open to having sex, and they want sex, and they want romance, and they want passion, and they want sexy fun, and they want flirting, and they want affection. If I didn't say that one, it's huge. I probably said it twice. Almost everybody wants that as much of it as they can get, all conditions being right. So when people are in a relationship where they're not having sex, it's usually for a reason. Trauma, shame, fear, lack of knowledge, inability to communicate their needs. Those are kind of the big ones. Or they're with a partner who's on that bottom end of the bell curve. And often people who think that's their partner are actually just not giving that partner what they need to want sex. Mm. So the number of people who are truly not interested in sex is very, very low. Most people who seem not interested in sex are only seeming that way because they're not getting their needs met. So let's ignore that small minority then and really focus on the majority, probably the rest of this conversation. Assuming that somebody is listening to this and they're in a relationship and their sexual needs aren't being met. Which is almost everyone. Yes, <laughs> of course, of course. What are, what are some like initial steps to reignite your sex life? Maybe both from how to approach your partner and maybe if there's anything they can do on their own before that, that step even needs to occur. If sex used to be good when you first got together, that's my caveat. We're going to talk about those people because for the people that it was never good, there's usually something bigger that requires sexual therapy. But if it was good when you got together and it's just not any good anymore, that is what you said, bedroom boredom. Mm -hmm. It's a lack of variety and novelty. So desire is actually an, e it's very, very interesting that in sex, there are a lot of these things I call toggles. Toggles are, a like think about a scale. Think about justice and how it's a scale, right? It's a combination of two things in equal measure that keep things in a good equilibrium, keep the scale balanced. And in sex, one of them is that you need an, it, to keep your sex, to keep your desires for each other high. You need to have an 
equal measure of safety. I, I feel comfortable in front of my lover. I, I, don't, I don't feel embarrassed. They can look at me. They can see my genitals. I can, I can talk to them. I can ask them to do things. They won't make fun of me. They listen to my fantasies. They're open to hearing about my fetishes. They're, you know, they're not going to yuck my yum, as a lot of people say. They're not going to shame me. And I feel safe and secure. The other side of the scale is variety, novelty. I want to do new things together. I want to have erotic adventures together. I want to learn new sex skills. I want to practice things. I want to have adventures. I want to go to a sex club. I want to have a threesome. I want to try a vibrator. I want to try a dildo. I want to try pegging. I want to try, you know, whatever it is. It's those two things that keep your sex life hot. We can do things, fun new things together because we're rooted firmly in a foundation of trust and communication. That's what keeps boredom at bay because new relationship energy gets you going at first, but it peters out pretty quickly. I think it takes about really finding your feet in a sexual relationship takes about six months. And then when you find your feet, it almost immediately goes into, oh shit, now I'm bored. (laughs) And that's when you start having to do more novelty. It was like you were learning about each other and figuring each other out. And then you got that kind of pretty good. And now all of a sudden you're like, okay, now what? What's interesting is that the love chemicals, the oxytocin, the prolactin, the dopamine, the serotonin that start dumping in the new relationship, they start to wane in as little as four months. And by four years, there's almost none being generated. Mm. So the way to hack new relationship energy is to try new things together. Beginning as beginners puts you back into generating all the love chemicals again. Mm. It's a fabulous hack. And here's something I get absolutely guarantee you. Now you're in, you're in your 20s mm-hmm. and I'm in my 60s. And I literally have a bucket list of stuff I want to do with my husband right now. Like I have a little list of, I have it on my phone, in my notes, on my iPhone. I have the things I want to do with him next and that he wants to do with me. Mm. And we keep a running list of things we want to do and we never run out of ideas. I've been doing crazy, sexy shit with my husband for 30 years. And yes, we've had other partners. We've gone to sex parties. We've taken sex workshops. We've tried every sex toy under the sun. We've tried so many things together. The thing about my beautiful husband is that he is like an idea generator for sexy stuff, which I love because one of the great things about fantasy is that when you share your fantasies, whether they're just fantasies that you only want to keep as fantasies or they're fantasies of things you'd actually like to do with your partner, you're going to think up stuff they're not going to think of. And when you share fantasies with each other, you can be like, oh my God, I so want to do that. That sounds great. That's going on the list. That's going on my sexual bucket list. So that's how you get rid of bedroom boredom is you do new things together. Hmm. But wait, let's talk about the sex list a little bit more then. Yeah. When did that originate and how do you guys utilize it? Are you vi- revisiting the sex list often? I'm guessing it, you're in and out of it so frequently and you're kind of attuned 
to your sexual desires. But at the top of the month, you guys look at the list and then you're like, let's pick something from this list and give it a try. Or is that almost even too utilitarian? (laughs) Well, I think what happens is we get really turned on. And when we're really turned on, we're thinking, I'm not thinking of these things in my day-to-day normal activity. I'm actually thinking of other things I want to do when I'm super turned on. And then I forget them once I'm not super turned on because it's like a state change. So I I have to capture them or we forget them. But then when we're going to have a date, because we plan our date, scheduled sex is super important. People think, well, if I schedule it, then it's not going to be this spontaneous thing. Well, I think spontaneous sex is great in the in the early stages of a relationship, but you you have to plan your date and think about things you might want to do. Set your lover space, get your room set up, get yourself towels, throw down your your fascinator so you can squirt all over the bed and throw it in the wash. Lube is messy. You know, you got to get your lube ready. You've got to get your pitcher of water. You got to get your vape for your vape pits, whatever you need. You got to get your glass of Chardonnay, whatever's good. What I find is we just work the list as we can. And one of the there, here's another thing that's a really important aspect of having a great sex life with a partner. And that is running a menu of small offers to your partner all the time. Would you like to do this? 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 It gives them an opportunity to think about what is right for them that day in that moment. One of the reasons I like to have a list is I don't know what I'm going to feel like doing. And I don't want to forget all the things I want to do. And so that's what helps me remember. And then I'm like, okay, today, let's try this thing I wanted to do. Sometimes it's positions, locations, toys, experiences, whatever it might be. So I think having the list for us is just more of a helpful reminder of things we wanted to do. On scheduling sex, do you call it scheduling sex or is there a different priming that you use for that moment? We call it a date. Okay. Um, I like that a lot better. Scheduling almost, I feel like I'm getting into work mode. Yeah. And I don't think that going out to dinner is a date. That used to be a date. I think a date is having hot sex. Hmm. Carving out three or four, two, two hours is a really nice sex date. Uh, Longer if you have the energy. And I like afternoon sex a lot late morning, mm-hmm. early afternoon, you've got good energy, the lighting is good. It's if it's quiet and relaxing, it's so nice. Well, you know, when it gets on to evening, you get tired, you want to go to bed. <laughs> and you're just not as good, especially if you wait till after dinner when your tummy's full and you can't get all the blood flow to your genitals. So yeah, it's it's really nice. So and one of the reasons we call it a date is that my husband and I have had an ex- what's called an expanded orgasm practice for going on 20 years. And it was one of the things that really saved our sex life and helped me cross the gasm chasm. And it's basically a five-stroke clitoral stroking technique. And it's a very light technique that allows a woman to really activate her neural pathways to orgasm so she can orgasm way more easily. And it's, it has many names, this expanded orgasm technique. Uh, It was originally called deliberate orgasm. It's been called extended massive orgasm. It's been called orgasmic meditation. 
different people teach it, but it's basically, it's like a yoga practice. There's Hatha, there's Bikram, there's Vinyasa, et cetera, but you follow the forms or like you know, any martial art, whether it's uh, Kung Fu or Karate or Tai Chi or whatever it might be, you're following a form. In the form, you have the experience. We teach it as expanded orgasm, which is essentially like riding big waves. You, you, Your partner takes you out into this big wave and you get on that wave and you just come and come and come and come. And then you come off the wave and he tows you out again into an even bigger wave. And just from the lightest of clitoral strokes. And that's, you can find out more about what is expanded orgasm touching for rapture, which is a super important touch technique, and peaking, which is another toggle, a toggle where you deliver sensation, deliver sensation, deliver sensation, and then pause a beat. And then deliver sensation, deliver sensation, deliver sensation, and pause a beat. And it's not that exact. It doesn't have to be that exact. You kind of get a feel for your lover as to when to deliver and when to hold and deliver again. And what that does is that toggling of delivering and holding, it's more toggling because the, the, the nervous system is a sympathetic and parasympathetic. So it needs that back and forth energy to go up the arousal ladder. It has to start in relaxation and then get turned on and then be stair-stepped up. And when you peak a person, it makes them go, uh, it makes them like lean in, like oh, oh, chase the sensation, which accelerates their arousal. Quite interesting. Super ninja sex trick. And that's both, all three of those techniques are free reports at expand her orgasm tonight. And that clitoral stroking practice, the expanded orgasm, also called deliberate orgasm, D-O, we all have always called it a due date. We have a due date. And the DO, deliberate orgasm date, is where we have time on the calendar. We lie down in bed together. I butterfly my legs open. I lie perpendicular to my man. He's sitting on a meditation pillow. We've got the loo. And he starts the expanded orgasm date. And he starts the stroking technique. You can see some of them on My Better Lover YouTube or my Better Lover channel, betterlover.com, you can put in expanded orgasm. You'll actually see how we sit. We show that. He talks about the benefits to the, to, to the giver. And I talk about the benefits to the receiver. And that kind of a practice, it's really cool because when we teach you how to have an expanded orgasm practice, a due date, I usually like to have a couple of due dates a week. And in, in all honesty, we just call it a pussy rub sometimes. And in all honesty, we pretty much start out all of our dates with, with an expanded orgasm pussy rub because that gets the vulva nice and plump and engorged and ready to go and turned on. And it's relaxing and it allows you to come into your arousal really nicely. And, and when you get the Expand Her Orgasm Tonight program, which is an online program with videos and audios and ebooks, there's this book that's 20 erotic play dates and the 20 erotic play dates you can do those i think it's 21 actually you can do them one one a day for 21 days you can do them over 21 weeks you can skip around but what they're doing is they're actually giving you 21 different fundamental skills that supercharge the five stroke technique they're just these incredible practices so like if anybody is bored 
that's a fantastic place to start because you can also give a man an expanded orgasm date. You can take him up and you can let him, you can hold him and let him ride those orgasmic waves and then bring him back down and take him up and bring him back down and take him up. Guys often call that edging. Edging is a little bit different. The expanded orgasm practice for a man is really helping him understand and helping you feel his point of no return before he ejaculates. So you never quite let him get to that, but you take him right up to the nine before you hit the 10 and you let him ride that nine level of sensation for a super long time. That's the beginning of his ability to become a multi-orgasmic man where he can begin to separate ejaculation from orgasm. You don't have to ejaculate when you come. You can come without ejaculating. We all can do that. And it's just a learned skill, just like every orgasm. So when a guy wants more stamina, this is the practice for him. It is surprising that I, up until, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, I don't know if I had a clear delineation between ejaculation and coming. And I did not realize that men can also have multiple orgasms. I, I've heard that from women, but from the man's side, I had never even, that, that concept's never really been introduced to me before. You got some work to do, Justin. I know I do. That's why I had you on, Susan. 19 more kinds of orgasms to have, man. (laughs) Well, Susan, luckily I'm 28 and I know a little bit of your backstory, but I feel like things started around 45 for you. And I'm not even sure if we really told that story. And I think that might be helpful and relatable for our audience. So can you kind of bring us through how you got to where you are today and like having, being 60 years old and having the best sex of your life, which is Super inspiring for me. I like that. I'm glad that I'm not through my prime, but maybe even just starting my adventure, my journey, or my learning through, through you know, at 28 years old is exciting. It was really funny. I recently was talking to a guy and he, and I, he said, somebody middle-aged like me. And I looked at him and I'm like, how old are you? And he said, 35. And I'm like, oh, you little whippersnapper. Here's that middle-aged. Middle-aged is 60. <laughs> yes. yes, that is one of the beautiful things about sex. It's very much like cooking. It's it just keeps getting you keep getting better at it as you age. And the food always just gets more delicious. The sex just gets more delicious. Mm. You just become more comfortable in yourself. You worry less about how you look. You're not so hard on yourself. You're relaxed. There's less performance anxiety. There's more heart connection. There's more sensuality. There's more confidence to speak up for yourself and ask for what you want. I mean, you're just at the tip of the iceberg of your potential. I mean, you're, you're kind of moving into the sweet spot of your, your masculine power, your stamina, your love, your heart. You know, the heart is a muscle. And the more that you love, the better you get at loving. And you've had enough time in your life to start loving people beyond your family. And you've worked your heart a bit, and now you can feel love, and you can bring that loving feeling into your sex with your girlfriend. And one of the things that's so incredible is that We're such fine instruments, the bodies. I mean, the minute, like if you put your dick in your girlfriend 
and you blast, you, you feel your love in your heart and you shoot it out of your cock into her, I guarantee you she will she'll be like, what are you doing? I, you can send that love energy in. You can also pull that love energy that is a, and that turn on that's about to go out of you when you come. You can circulate it right back up inside you, right into your heart, into your head, out the top of your head to connect with source, with love, with all people. I mean, spiritual sexuality is an entire category beyond just heart-connected conscious lovemaking where I'm present with you and you're present with me. I'm caring for you and you're caring for me. Then you move into the realm of spiritual sexuality where your two hearts become one and touch God together. I mean, that's what tantric lovemaking really is. It sets the foundations for your connection to what I like to call Gaia. I like to call God or source or the feeling of palpably connecting to all living matter. I like to call it Gaia because Gaia is the word for our earth. And I think we live in this incredible ecosystem where it's not just the humans and the animals that are alive, but it's plants and it's the ocean's ecosystem and the weather and just all of the, all of nature to me is Gaia. And we are just, we are one with Gaia. We are part of nature. We are nature. We are all inside connected to everything. And when, when you evoke that in your lovemaking, when you look in each other's eyes, when your breath is slow and connected, when your hearts are tethered through that limbic connection, you are getting into that soulmate territory. And you can't, it doesn't happen naturally. It's actually practice, feeling love, loving, moving energy, connecting, connecting like that. That's, that's all just learned skills like everything else. It's all available to us at any time we want to go to that level. And I didn't know any of this. I was 45 years old. I'd never had an orgasm from intercourse. I didn't want to have sex with Tim anymore because after over a decade of having sex with him without coming, from intercourse. I just didn't want to do it anymore. He emotionally checked out of the relationship. We were living like friends instead of lovers. And at our 11th wedding anniversary, I was like, what are we going to do? I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And he's like, I'm, I'm pissed off at you. And rightly so. And we thought it was my fault. Back then, I didn't know that all women are capable of having orgasms from intercourse. It's just a learned skill. And so we started taking, we started going to therapy and we started taking sex workshops. We started taking sex workshops. We got great in bed and we're like, oh my God, it is so easy to be good in bed. You just have to have somebody tell you what to do. <laughs> and we said, let's make a sex workshop in a box company so people from all over the world can have access to the things that we learned in these workshops. And so we hired our teachers and we developed the programs and we created these things like the 21 erotic play dates to learn how to have an expanded orgasm practice together. And here we are almost 20 years later and we still have an expanded orgasm practice together and we do it all the time together. And it leads into fantastic connection and lovemaking. 
I definitely think the techniques you learned through those workshops were probably beneficial, but I'm guessing if I were really to get to the core of it, it was probably the intentionality and decision to focus on your sex life. And I I actually got a quote here. I think this might've been from one of your Instagram posts. You said, a woman's sexual peak is not at 18 and it's not at 35. Contrary to urban legend, a woman's sexual peak comes at whatever point she focuses on her sex life. So I really enjoyed that piece to it. And and I'm glad that there isn't this slope and decline and you can be 60 and decide that you want to focus and stop being roommates or stop being best friends and more so be lovers. So let's, how do we, let's talk about communicating and getting into that space. How do you start that conversation with your partner? And especially coming from the lens of like asking what you want without even really knowing what you want. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, that's how most people feel. I can't ask for what I want because I don't even know what it is. I just know what I'm getting, isn't it? Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's like art. I'll know it when I see it, but I never see it. (laughs) Well, there is a communication technique that I think is like, you know, I have, I have hundreds of sex techniques, but the bedroom communication technique that I teach called the sexual soulmate pack to me is the foundation on which all the techniques flourish. And you can get it at sexual soulmate pact, P-A-C-T. It's like an agreement, pact.com. So I won't be able to go into every detail about it. But basically, there's a couple of issues. One is that people don't ask for what they want because they don't know. They think they don't know, but they do know, actually, mm-hmm. because all, all of your desire, all of your fantasies can be generated internally. You don't need to watch porn. You don't need to use movies. You don't need to think about any of that stuff. That's someone else's idea of what you might like. But what you might like is already in there. You just have to allow it to come out. And your body has incredible wisdom. You know right now whether you need to go poo, whether you're hungry or full, whether your neck hurts on the left side like it did yesterday or not whether your clothes or the tag in the back of your shirt is scratchy, whether your hair feels greasy, whether your nose is, your sinuses are dry, whether you're getting dehydrated. I mean, you have so many sensors in your body telling you everything, where your body is in space, everything. It's an onslaught of communication from your body. And when you listen to it, it tells you what you want in that moment. And what you want is different in every moment because of you're constantly evolving. You're constantly maturing. You're literally turning your cells over constantly. You're becoming, you're always becoming someone else, your, your next self. So when people tell me, I don't know what I want, I say, just start tuning in and you, it will be revealed to you. And then you live in an animal body. You know, we like to think that we're human beings and we're this like lofty, incredible thing. But really, we're just part of that. We're part of Gaia of all living things. 
no different than the birds or the whales or the dolphins or or the ponies or the puppies or the apes. And we happen to be an ape. We happen to be on the tree of life, on the branch with the orangutans and the bonobos and the chimpanzees. That's what we are. We're homo sapien. And we live in this animal body and we don't have a hell of a lot of control over it. We like to rationally think we have all this control, but how much sugar have we eaten? How much sleep have we gotten? How much stress are we under? You know, how is our health? How's our mental health? All that stuff impacts what our body wants in every moment. And the more that we can listen to it and just realize that when I tell you, I want you to go lighter or slower or harder or faster, or you're on my hair or your, you know, your, your beard is scratching me or whatever it might be, or I want you to flip me over. I want you to, I want to do it out the window. I want to, whatever I need it right now. I'm not feeling good about the penetration. I need to stop, pull you out. I need you to play with my breasts and make out with me while I use my vibrator and give myself an orgasm because I need that orgasm to get my pussy going for intercourse, you know? And now, okay, now when you come back in, it feels better. You know, like whatever it is that you need to ask for, asking for it without any shame is so good. But we're always afraid to hurt our partner's feelings. We don't want, we don't want to say to our partner, Something where they're going to take it like they're doing a bad job and then their ego gets deflated and they kind of get crushed and then, and then it ruins the mood. And, and so a lot of times we just suck it up. We take what we're getting, even though it's not really what we want. So when you can establish this like super free flowing, anything goes, there's no pleases, there's no thank yous. You just shout it out and your partner thanks you for doing so. When you can be like, You're, it's too deep. And they're like, got it, baby. You know, and then they just back off a little bit. When you don't have to get out of your surrendered mind, surrendered to pleasure, theta brainwave state and get into your beta good girl or good boy state to say what you need to say. When you can just like let anything rip during sex, that's total trust. And knowing that both partners are completely loved and appreciated, and all I'm doing is giving you the information to give me better and better pleasure, and I thank you so much for telling me and cluing me in, that's what the sexual soulmate pact is. It's the agreement between partners to just start telling everything, because then your sex life gets really good. That is definitely my takeaway from this episode. I will approach Gabby and say, hey, manners are off the tables. I will thank you. You tell me. This is not about an ego thing. I just want to be better. And the way we're going to get better is crystal clear communication in the moment. So... I like crystal, crystal clear. Crystal, words are hard today. (laughs) Crystal clear. Yeah, she knows the clit. She knows and she's talking. You just have to listen. Another thing I like to tell women is pretend your partner's kind of hard of hearing and be really loud with your moans and your feedback mm. because guys, we they really want to do a great job and they need a shit ton of feedback all the time to do that. And for guys, 
it's really important for you to do a couple of things. The first one is try and stay present. I know that you have to have this, you know, this vision and, and you're creating an adventure and you're, you're, you're leading her through it. You're using your masculine sexual leadership and you're, you're leading her through this experience. And you've got this loose plan of what might be fun or you're throwing out offers to see what she's into during the date. You know, do you want me to rub your pussy or do you want me to go down on you? Do you want me to rub your ass or do you want me to rub your back? Do you need me to hold you? Whatever it might be, you're throwing out things to see what she's, where she is in her arousal and what sounds good to her and what, she, what her body needs. So you have to have some strategy. You're, you've got a bit of a strategy mind going, but the less you are there and the more that you're completely present with her and giving her pleasure signals of your own that you are feeling pleasure, a lot of times guys are like doing us instead of being with us. And I don't want to get done. I want to I melt into each other. It'll all work out. We'll find our way. And I am so comfortable asking for what I want at every moment that really, I think at this point, my husband, unless he specifically wants something, usually I'm like, oh, I got this new Manta vibrator and I want to rundle on your dick while I give you a blowjob. How's that sound? He's like, yeah, that sounds good. Where do I lie down? You know, I'm always thinking about new fun things. That was on, that was on our sex life bucket list. That was the last thing we, we crossed off our sex life bucket list. What you want as a man is to, to, to try to let go of that strategizing all the time and to really be present. Men have a lot of performance anxiety, not that women don't, but when you're thinking about what, what happened in the past or you're catastrophizing what might happen in the future, you're creating the performance anxiety. When you are totally present and connected in heart and feeling and sensation, then, and you're expressing your pleasure and losing yourself in the moment with your lover, that's what's going to get her really going. So it's like the harder you try to press her buttons and spin her knobs, the less good it works. The more you just let go and surrender to your own pleasure and co-create pleasure in the moment, the faster she comes. Isn't that funny? It is so funny and so real. (laughs) (laughs) I swear, Susan, you have been such a big help for my own relationship. I'm guessing so many other people that are tuning into it. I... Susan, I can't thank you enough for for coming on the show. It's been a blast. Maybe we'll have to get you in here for a part two at some point in time, but I, I know you got to run run here in a couple minutes. Just a uh, quick plug, if people want to find you, follow more about you, you've got plenty of URLs that I'll link all in the show notes. So if there's something that caught your attention in this, just click on the show notes and find that. But uh, where else can people connect with you or follow along with what's happening in your life? Well, there's two places. The first would be Instagram, and it's my name, at Susan Bratton. Although my account got hacked yesterday, and it's still not back up. (laughs) Such a hassle, isn't it? And then, but at Susan Bratton's fun. And that's a little bit of my personal life as well as techniques and things. And sometimes people, you know, I'm like their sex mom. So they they just want to, they just want to see it all. Yeah. And then the other thing is personal life media is my main website. It's like all roads lead to Rome from there. It has a search box at the top. And so anything you can think of that's on your mind sexually, even if you don't have quite the right words for it, dating, relationships, sex, oral, positions, STIs, 
uh, UTIs, you know, like everything is there searchable. So it's like an encyclopedia of all the answers your mom never told you because it's not really her job. It's Susan Bratton's job. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even touch. We, I feel like we didn't even touch a lot of the things. I mean, if you, even the self-care down there, if that is something that is interesting to you or interest of you, you have tons of great resources out there on that piece. But, but Susan, um, I want to be respectful of your time and get you out of here. I just have one final question for you, though. Okay. If you had the opportunity to teach a 16-week class to a group of graduating college seniors on a topic that isn't normally covered in the classroom. What would you teach and how would you teach it? Oh, so easy. I'm actually working on that. Not for college class, but just I'm working on this new thing. It's how to create your sexual bucket list. And for a lot of people, they're like, well, I don't even know what I would put on my list. And so I'm like, I know what you could put on your list. Here's a whole bunch of possible ideas. And I would walk you through all the possible ideas and describe them in sexy detail. And then you'd be, and then the process is basically you would rate them. And A, it's definitely going on my bucket list. A B, it's not on my bucket list, but if my partner wanted to do it, I'd be open to it. Or a C, which is it's not for me right now, because you know things evolve. You might think spanking is a disgusting sounding thing. And then in 10 years, you're going to be like, all I want for Valentine's Day is a good spanking. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, it you just what you want just changes so abc and then you take your a's and you rank order them so you know what are the things that you mo this is coming back to exactly what you said justin intentionally creating the sex life that you want it, you were so right on with that that was very insightful that gives you okay here are the things i want to do i'm going to learn how to do an expanded orgasm practice i'm going to learn how to become a female ejaculator i'm going to become a multi-orgasmic man. I'm going to uh, whatever, you know, these are all, there's a million things. So one of the things I like to do is definitely inspire people and let them know they have so much potential, but also give them ideas for how to use that potential and apply it. And so that would be what my course would be. And colleges might not allow it, but hopefully you'd also get to dress up like you do in some of your, your YouTube videos. You would definitely have a male dominated class if that was uh, the case. <laughs> I know I loved it. Well, I always think that if you're going to be a sex expert, you should be sexy. Yes. Like, I don't know how Dr. I guess Dr. Ruth got away with it because, you know, she was a little doctor so she could say all that stuff, but not in today's day and age. Today's day and age, you should be sexy if you're a sex expert. Definitely. Agreed. <laughs> well, Susan, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much again for um, spending some time with me. Folks, Susan Bratton, go check her out. Links are all in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the episode. As always, I appreciate your kind words. If you want to leave us a rating and review on your podcast player right now, that would absolutely make my day. If you want to find episode show notes, our blog, and other great resources, head over to tsirpodcast.com. If you have follow-up questions, an idea for a future episode, or just want to say hi, we have a contact form on our website and those messages go straight into my inbox and I promise you, I will reply. But all right, guys, I really appreciate you tuning in. I love you all and you're not alone. Let's keep making it through our struggles together.